Amen. I just want to hear the voice of God. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 6. If we could turn there really quick. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4. A very familiar portion of Scripture. It says, Hear, O Israel. It says, Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. Amen. The Lord our God is one Lord. And today for a few minutes, I want to preach to you on this title, Oneness. Oneness. I'm going to try to be quick. This morning, uh, somebody told me Wednesday night that they actually were at the restaurant by 1230 last week. <laughs> Praise God. Bishop can say more in 20 minutes than I can in 60, so you can be seated in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> we are a church that believes in one true and living God. Amen. They call us oneness, and I'm okay to have that title, to have that name when describing us, that they call us a oneness church, because we believe that there is one true and living God. We read through Scripture, Exodus chapter 20, the Lord has given Moses the Ten Commandments, and he gives him the very first commandment. He says, I am the Lord thy God which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And thou shalt have no other gods before me. Jesus was declaring there is one God, and I am he. And if you worship anything, it ought to be me. We read on in Deuteronomy 32 and 39, says, See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God with me. I kill and I make alive, I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. We read all through scripture of God declaring himself to be one, holy one. Isaiah 43 and 11 says, I, even I, am the Lord. And besides me, there is no savior. All through scripture we read of none else, none beside me, none like me. He says, I am the first and the last. I am the Lord that makes all things. Thou art God, even thou alone. There's one God. There's one God. We read in the New Testament, Romans 3 and 30 says, seeing it is one God. Galatians 3.20 says, now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Today I'm preaching to you on the oneness of God. James 2 and 19 says, thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. He said, the devils also believe that there's one God and they tremble. We, we are a church that believes in the oneness of God. Amen. He is one. There's none beside him. There's none like him. Amen. I'm thankful to know him today. His name is Jesus Christ. 
Revelations 4 and 20 says, And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Amen. When we get to heaven, we're going to see Jesus face to face. He's going to be the one sitting on that throne. Amen. We are a oneness church, and we believe that God is one. This one God, Jehovah, in the Old Testament, from the very beginning, had a plan of redemption for his people. He had a a master plan of this church. And when the time was right, he manifested himself in flesh. And he was born of a virgin Mary. We read in Matthew 1 and 21, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So Jehovah of the Old Testament came as a baby who had humble beginnings, but he came to die for the sins of mankind once and for all. His name was to be called Jesus, which literally means Jehovah Savior. So the God of the Old Testament, Jehovah, would become our Savior in the New Testament. Amen. So we can declare him today that Jesus Christ is both Lord and Christ. Amen. Jesus isn't just a part of God. He is God. He's not a separate person in a triune Godhead. He is God. The Bible declares that for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Jesus Christ dwells everything that God is, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Amen. Colossians 1 and 15 says, who is the image, speaking of Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? That's why Jesus could say, I and my Father are one. Amen. That's why Jesus could say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen. Philip said, Jesus, if you, if you will just show us the Father, it will suffice with us. And, and Jesus responded to Philip. He says, have I not been so long with you, Philip? Amen. I've been walking with you for three years. Didn't you know that I am the Father? I am the Son. Amen. And it doesn't end there. I'm going to be the Holy Ghost living inside of you. Amen. He had, God had different manifestations throughout time, but he's still one. He wore a few different hats throughout history, but he's still one God. He's wonderful and he's counselor, but he's still one. Amen. He's the mighty God and the Prince of Peace, but he's still one. He, he was the child that was born, the son that was given, and he was the everlasting father, but he's still one God. He's the father. Amen. He's the son and he's the Holy Ghost, but he's still one. God. Amen. I'm thankful today today to have the, the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. To understand this revelation is a great privilege and honor to understand that we serve one God and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. I mean, when you begin to understand the oneness of God, you understand the power that's in his saving name, Jesus Christ. Is this a oneness church?
One God. Amen. Just one God. There's, no, there's none beside him. There's none like him. There's no one else that can save you. There's no one else that can deliver you. There's one God. There is another aspect of oneness that we need to get a hold of. Amen. Everybody say to your neighbor, say, Pastor loves you. Buckle your seatbelt. But there's another part of oneness that we need to understand. We have to be one with the church. We have to be one with the body of Christ. We have to be one with each other. The church of the living God believes in oneness. Therefore, we need to be unified. Amen? We preach the oneness of God. We believe it because it's the very nature of God. But if we believe it's the very nature of God and we're striving to be like God, then we ought to strive for oneness in the church. We ought to strive for unity in the church. As your pastor, I have committed myself to preach this message as often as I feel led. I've seen what division does. And when I see it rise up again, I'm going to preach this message. And I've seen some things rise up. Therefore, I'm preaching this message on unity. On the one, we can dance all over this place all day long over the oneness of God. But if we aren't one, if we don't take on that very nature as a church, what are we doing? Say, say to your neighbor, he loves you. I pray that we would be a church that would strive for unity. That we would be able to overcome the trials and the storms of life together. And that we could be a church that would grow and mature together. That we would have revival, amen, in this community together. And I pray that we would be a unified church. That we would be a oneness church. And we cannot be one with God and at odds with our brother or sister. We cannot be one with the church and have a critical spirit. <laughs> the best way to get on the wrong side of revival is to start criticizing, is to start complaining, start murmuring against your brother and sister, start complaining about leadership, start disagreeing with how they do things, start gossiping. Start slandering. In my lifetime, that's, from what I've seen, that's the best way to get on the wrong side of revival. And it doesn't belong in the church. Start speaking against your brother and sister. 
Start speaking against the Sunday school teacher. Start speaking against the youth leaders. Start speaking against me. Start speaking against the ministers. And you will find yourself very quickly on the wrong side of revival. And it does not belong in the church of the living God. This is the devil's playground, church. These sort of things are where the devil loves to hang out. He loves division, and he wants to divide and conquer, and he will use you if you let him. Just remember, when you complain and you criticize somebody in this church, you're criticizing the bride of Christ. You're criticizing Jesus' bride. And the truth is, is if you came up to me and you called me ugly, and you called me stupid, I can handle that. But you call my bride ugly, and you call my bride stupid, those are fighting words. And when you start complaining about your brother and your sister and you start criticizing them, you are criticizing Jesus' bride. And it's a serious thing. Watch your words. Watch your thoughts. It's a dangerous slope. And you'll find yourself on the wrong side of revival. You want to destroy your family? Start criticizing the bride. <laughs> Start speaking these things in front of your kids. Get your kids positioned against somebody. Get your kids positioned against leadership. You'll find yourself really quick on the wrong side of revival. Don't speak against the bride of Christ. Jesus bled and died for that bride. He went to a cross for the church. You situate yourself against your fellow brother and sister, you've situated yourself against God. Man, I, I feel bold. I hope I'm not being mean right now. <laughs> but I feel that there's been something rising up. There's just been little seeds that I've seen and I've heard. And I've been around this for a little while now. And I'm going to preach against this every time I see it. Because I want to be on the right side of revival. I want to be a oneness church. I want to be unified together. We cannot let these thoughts and these things get in the way of what God wants to do. He hates division. Proverbs 6 and 16 says, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. He hates it. It's an abomination unto God. When you begin to sow discord in the church, when you begin to speak, even when you begin to listen, 
You're sowing discord amongst the church and God despises it because you're talking about his bride. 1 Corinthians 1 and 10, Paul says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you. Mark 3 and 24, and if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. We cannot have division in the church if we're going to call ourselves oneness. Paul gives some pretty clear instructions several times in the New Testament. Philippians 2 one through four says, if there, be, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. For let nothing be done through strife, or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. That's how we have unity, is that we would have, that we would be like-minded and we would have the same love, and that love comes from God, and we would be of one accord and in one mind, that we wouldn't seek vain glory, that we wouldn't seek to puff ourselves up above anybody else, but we would prefer our brethren over ourselves. Let not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. I'm sorry to tell you, that this unity that we need to have in the church isn't a unity that would say we can agree to disagree type of unity. That's not the unity I'm talking about, to agree to disagree. The, this unity that God wants in the church isn't contentious, and it's not hard to do, but it's a unity that is desired, and it's full of love. It's a unity that isn't done out of obligation, but it's done because you want to. It's not a unity that say I'll agree to disagree, but it's a unity that says I want I want I love you. I want to I want to be get along. I want to have unity in the church above all costs despite what I think. I'm going to lay myself aside, and I desire this because I want unity in the church. It's full of love. It's not something that we do just because we're obligated to do. Psalms 133 says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. As, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing 
even life forevermore. How good and pleasant it is, amen, to dwell together in unity. And the psalmist here likens this. It's like the precious ointment. And this ointment was poured on the head and ran down the beard, but this ointment was, the base of it was olive oil. And there were some other things added to it, some cinnamon and myrrh and some other things uh, that they were instructed to, um, to put in this ointment. But everything that was in this ointment was crushed. Those olives that were made to make this ointment were crushed. And the spices were mixed together and crushed and mixed in. And the truth of it is to have true unity. There's got to be some things that are crushed that are broken inside of us. Church, there's some opinions and there's some ideas and there's some thought processes that we're dealing with that need to be crushed. They need to be broken. They need to be done away with. There's some offenses in your life that need to be, there needs to be a death of them. They need to be crushed. They need to be done away with. Opinions and ideas. And the truth of it is, is somebody at some point in this church is going to let you down. There's going to come a time where I might let you down. That I might offend you. I promise that I won't try to offend you. But there's a possibility that I might offend you. There's there's going to come a time where you will be betrayed. You will be left behind. You will be disregarded. And you will have an opportunity to be offended. You will be lied about. You will be mistreated. It just happens. It's life. It's part of it. But these offenses, we cannot hold on to them. These opinions and thoughts that, that, we, that, that are going on in our minds uh, that come against uh, brothers and sisters in the church and come against leadership need to be crushed. They need to be done away with because we have to die. There has to be a death that goes on inside of us. Our selfish desires have to die. Amen. Our inner thoughts have to die. Our pride and our self-preservation has to die. There's got to be some things that are crushed like those olives made to make that ointment. If there's going to be true unity in the church, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. There's got to be some death of some things in our lives and some things that we've been harboring in our hearts and some bitterness and thought process. There's just got to be a death and a burial of these things in order for there to be a resurrection. And Christ was the perfect example of this thing. 
Ephesians 4 and 1, and 1 through 6 says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness. <laughs> with all lowliness and meekness. This is how we're called to walk. Lowly and meek. Humble. <laughs> Without pride. Without regard to our image. Without regard to our self-preservation, lowly and meek, with long-suffering, patient, able to deal with each other's issues. Paul said, forbearing one another in love. Forbearing, putting up with each other because we love each other. Forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He goes on, there is one body, there is one Spirit, we're oneness, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But if we're going to be oneness, if we're going to literally take on the nature of God and be holy as he is holy, we've got to have a oneness and unity, oneness in mind, that we would be like-minded. And in order to do this, we need to love each other. And this is not a love that we can conjure up. Because the truth of it is, is we're humans here. We make mistakes. People are going to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. They're going to offend you. And you aren't good enough to handle it. There's, there's not anything good enough in you to, to handle that by yourself. But we can do it through the love of Jesus Christ. For the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, amen, which is given unto us. This is how we have long-suffering for our brother. This is how we forbear each other, is through the love of Jesus Christ. This is how we endeavor these tough things. This is how we endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit is through loving each other with the love of God. And the truth of it is, is we can say that this is hard. We can say that this is hard. But when I begin to think about how merciful God has been with me, when I began to think that he loved me, well, I was yet a sinner. Amen. That he forgave me when I sinned against him. Amen. When I backstabbed God, he forgave me. And he delighted in mercy. Amen. He's been graceful to me. So when I begin to think about all that I've done wrong and my, my, my failure, and how God just, he keeps helping me, he keeps forgiving me, he keeps being patient with me. It's so easy to love somebody else. 
And we've got to make sure that if, we're, if we call ourselves the people of the name, and we call ourselves oneness, that we don't take the Lord's name in vain. And taking the Lord's name in vain is more than just a swear word, that you would use it as a swear word. It's more to it than that. But taking the Lord's name in vain is misrepresenting Jesus. And one way that we can misrepresent the name of Christ is when we expect God to forgive us, but we won't forgive others. That is taking the Lord's name in vain. When we expect that our sins would be washed away in Jesus' name, but when somebody offends us, we can't forgive them. That's a misrepresentation of our Lord. And that's taking God's name in vain. Matthew 6 and 14, Jesus was very plain. It says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I want to make sure that I'm not holding anything against anybody. Because I need to be forgiven. Because I need the mercy of God. I need his grace. John 13 and 34 says, A new commandment I give you, that ye love one another as I have loved you. That's a tall order. That you would love your brother, that you would love your sister as Christ has loved you. That you also love one another by this, by this love that you have for one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. If we want to show the world the love of God, if we want to show the world the oneness of God, if we want to teach a Bible study on the very nature of God, we can talk about the Godhead all day, and we should. But you better be living in oneness with the church, with your brother and your sister. Jesus said, that's how they're going to know that you're my disciples. You can know all the scriptures. You can memorize them up and down. But if you're at odds with your brother and sister, you're not oneness. I'm glad I'm, I'm leaving for two weeks after this message. We're jetting out of here. I'm not trying to be mean this morning, but this is such a serious thing. And we're all capable of this. I'm capable of this. I'm capable of harboring. I'm, I'm capable of being offended. <laughs> I've been offended. There's been some people in this church before that have offended me. 
had to get over it because I love them. Because <laughs> they're my brother. They're my sister. I got to love them. I'm just going to give them the benefit of the doubt. You want to know what? They, they're having a bad day. Maybe, they're, maybe the things they said about me are right. Anytime you get criticized, our initial reaction is to put up the walls. But maybe, maybe they're right. <laughs> maybe the criti- criticism is right. I, I try to live my life that anytime somebody criticizes me, that I would just like take it to heart. Like, okay, thank you, thank you. I'm going to think about that. It's easier to not be offended that way. I'm just telling you guys that God has a plan for this church. And it's revival. It's growth. It's maturity. I want to go there. But division will stop it. Division will put it right to a halt. Just start criticizing each other and you'll find yourself on the wrong side of revival. And there's consequences to it. And here's, the, here's where we're at. This is, I don't, I don't, we'll have an altar call. I'm not really sure. I, I wasn't even sure how to preach this today. But the truth of it is, is there's a work to do. <laughs> there, there's a harvest that's ready. Jesus said, don't wait another four months. Don't wait, you young men. Don't wait till you're old enough. Don't don't wait till you're married. Don't wait till you, you know, you lose 20 pounds. <laughs> then you can wear that 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 outfit that makes you feel good. <laughs> then you can teach a Bible study. <laughs> I got some clothes right now that are tight. But he said the harvest is ready right now. It's ready right now. There's a work to do right now. And I'll tell you what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to hang out in the farmyard, washing the windows on the combine, and getting in an argument with the guy who's running the grease circ. He wants you to get your eyes off of where you're supposed to be going. That's the field. And he wants you to hang out in the farmyard, quarreling with each other. That's the devil's playground. And when the harvest is ready, it's time to go. My first job was farming. I was like 12 years old. I worked for my my dad's brother. And when it was time to go to the field, it was time to go to the field. There was no messing around. It was time to go. Like we, before it rains, we got to go. Before the wind picks up, we got to go. Before it gets too dark, whatever it is, we got to go. The harvest is ready. We don't have time to be messing around in the farmyard. Brother John, there's time you just got to go get those bees. Get them back and do whatever you guys do. I don't even understand the process. It's too complicated for me. 
Like these little bees, and I got jars of honey. <laughs> and it's good. But there's no, there's no time for nonsense, Brother John, when it's time to extract that honey. And this is where we're at as a church. There's no time for nonsense. Okay, there's no time for quarreling. There's no time to, to get yourself in a position against somebody else in church. Just forgive them, love them, get over it, shake hands, give them, give them a hug, and let's have revival. Amen. Are we a oneness church? Brother Chuppy, is this okay? Are we a oneness church? I'll tell you what, anytime I see anything come up, I'm preaching this message. And I am not going to preach it when it's too late. I'm not going to preach it when it's too late. And the truth of it is there's, there's demonic forces that you don't even know it that get on you. <laughs> Little swarms of flies that get on you. They get into your mind. They start changing the way you think, how you think about somebody else. And then what happens when you start, start thinking about this towards somebody else? What do we like to do? The Bible says that, that gossips are like morsels to the, to the stomach, whatever the King James, to the bowels, right? They're morsels. They, they're, they're good to eat. So we start thinking these things and so-and-so is doing this this way and then you go talk to somebody else about it. It's called gossip. It's called slander. And it sows discord, and God hates it. Okay, and then those little flies, they get onto the next person. <laughs> All right? And then that person goes and starts talking about it. And now you got a whole group of people that, are, that have opened themselves to, up to the demonic. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you listen to. Because the devil... This is the devil's playground. This is what he loves to do. Amen? Let's all stand this morning. It's 12. Man, Caleb, I'm not going to get you to the restaurant by 12.30. Where's Caleb? There he is. He's like, yeah, I was eating by 12.30 last week. Bless God. <laughs> Musicians come. You want to know what? Let's just, let's just come to the altar today. Let's just ask God to help us. We're all, none of us are exempt from this, okay? Let's just, if, you, if you, there's been some things in your heart that have been off, some things you've been thinking about that are off, just give it to God today. Say, you want to know what? I'm letting this go. I'm going to love them. And it may be necessary for you to go give somebody a hug today. We're going to strive for unity. We're going to forbear one another. Amen. Musicians, play. People come. Let's just let's just talk to Jesus.